0: Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com/slash credit card. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own? Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Saturday, March 26th. And this weekend, we are focusing on how to make your kids a little smarter about money. Our guest is Bobby Rebel. She uh, is a friend of the podcast and she has written a new book. It's called Launching Financial Grownups. And I'm going to do the subtitle because it's kind of fun. Live Your Richest Life by Helping Your Almost Adult Kids Become Everyday Money Smart. That's a lot. That's a mouthful, huh? Anyway, the book is a a way, a guide to help parents and grandparents and uh, she says other stakeholders in the lives of young adults to take their rightful place, educating the next generation about the practical realities of money. This is a, a good time to do it because I think everyone's coming out of the COVID era. It's time to have these kinds of conversations, get a little bit real and sort of get yourselves in a place where you can have these conversations. So here is the first part of our interview with Bobby Rebel. Why is it so hard for people to launch financial grownups? Why are parents so bad at this?
1: You know, a lot of it is that, especially this generation of parents of these older kids have put so much into our young adults that it's hard for us to let go. Very often, they're okay. They want to launch. But we have been helicopter parents. We've been snowplow parents. And now I like the term concierge parents because it's upping it to a whole new level, Jill, where we still want to solve their problems. We still want to, you know, plow an easy path for them. But now we're going to use money to solve their problems because they've got real grown up financial things happening and money can often ease the way for them. But we need to start letting go a little bit.
0: Now, do you speak of this from your own experience? Like how did this book come to
1: be? (laughs) 100% my own experiences on two fronts. First of all, what I just said. My husband and I found ourselves, you know, using money to instantly solve problems for our kids, sometimes things that they didn't even ask us to solve. So, you know, someone needs to raise money for a school project. It's like if your little kid's raising money for the Girl Scouts and you just buy the boxes that they need to sell, you need to let them sell them. It's the same thing as they get older. You need to let them raise money for their film project, which is something that's happening now with our 22-year-old who wants to go into the movie business It would be so much easier for us to just write the check rather than say, Well, how are you going to do it? And he came up with the idea that he's going to raise money and he's got his fundraising site and he's marketing that. And then the other thing was that I was having trouble getting them to do things that I knew they should do, like open up a Roth IRA because they both are good kids. They were earning money at young ages in their mid teens. And they weren't spinning it all over the place, but it was just sitting there. And I kept trying to get them to open this Roth IRA and it wasn't happening. And I realized that this was probably something that was happening for a lot of parents where you've got good kids, you know what they need to do, but because they're teenagers or young adults, they're busy or they're not focused. They will tell you they'll do it, but they weren't. So I needed help. And there really wasn't a book for the stage group.
0: And yeah, I love that because it's like, there's no book. I think I'll write the book. No. That's a great yeah. idea. I'm wondering how you think the pandemic accelerated this trend because I find that, you know, so many of my friends who have kids who are, you know, young adults and an adults, their kids came back home and the cycle began again. How do you see that playing out in the post-pandemic
1: world? This is such a good question, Jill. Thank you. So it accelerated it, as you said, but there were some upsides. So the sort of negativity here that you allude to is that you had these young adults, these almost adults moving home, and not in a financial crisis. This was just what you call almost a systematic Thing that happened. And so they're not moving home, you know, because they're slackers. They're just moving home because, oh my gosh, it's a pandemic, but they've never lived at home as adults. So it's very easy to come home and mom and dad are doing the things that mom and dad always did, like provide meals, like do your laundry. You're in your childhood bedroom. You can regress a lot. And that's what happened sort of at the, you know, the knee jerk moment when the pandemic first happened is you, everyone kind of went back to these patterns from before they, left, you know, the nest. But then because it went on and on, things evolved and relationships matured. And a lot of young adult children, because they were in the household, were able to have more mature relationships with their parents and more exposure to their parents' real-world financial situations, challenges, and successes. And that opened up all kinds of new discussions in families. That was really a blessing.
0: A lot of my friends found themselves also sort of agog at watching their children work in some respects. I'll give you like this great example. One of my best friends, a lovely couple, their daughter had graduated from college right in the beginning of, of COVID and she became a paralegal. She like, you know, wanted to see whether or not she wanted to go to law school And, you know, she's working as a paralegal for one of these white shoe New York law firms. And when I tell you that, you know, they worked them like beasts and these firms made money hand over fist during COVID, but she's in their basement. And my friend would call me and she'd say to me, like, the kid is working. Like, honestly, till two o'clock in the morning, hours on day, like, I just think it's bad for her. And I'm like, uh, she'd be doing this anyway. She'd be in an office with other people and you wouldn't be seeing it and worrying about it. But like the fact that you're seeing it, like you're now making her crazy because she would go down and she's like, are you sure you still need to be working? And the kid's like, I'm fine. To that point. I think what's interesting is that you point out that this is also about the parents. You said that you said like, you know, this is part of what we do as parents, as grandparents, as friends. What are some of the tools or the tips you have for people who do find themselves wading in a little bit too quickly and trying to save their kids or do whatever it is, whether it's money or protect them, how can they stop doing
1: that? The truth is we have to remember that they are the main character in their stories and we are just the supporting players. So we need to support them, but we also need to kind of be in the background when that's where our mark is. So as you point out, I mean, it's almost like when They were in college, and they might be out. You know, let's say they pull an all nighter because they didn't study in advance, or they're just out partying. We're not seeing that, so we're not worrying. But suddenly, if they're home and they go out late at night, you know, pre pandemic, obviously, or maybe now, hopefully, they're having some fun. When you see it, you're you're up waiting for your child to come home. So it's this awareness, but we need to take a step back and realize this is a season of their life when. They do want to work hard. They do want to establish themselves in their careers. And we need to give them the breathing room. I mean, a lot of parents, it's the same thing when you hear about parents going into the professor, lobbying for their kid to get a higher grade. No, let them get whatever the grade is that's appropriate for them and let them work to get the better grade. It's their life. And we need to be a little bit away. We're not now, their best friend. We're their parent.
0: Ain't that the truth. We're talking about parenting to grown-ups. But can you talk a little bit about how we start forming the habits if people are lucky or unlucky enough to, say, have teenagers right now? I've got to, here's another story for you. This happened this morning, okay? You ready? I, only because I have, I'm in a neighborhood group text, and here's the text that I got. Hi, friends, um, including my daughter on this text, who's doing a school project. She's like 14 years old. Okay. Doing a school project on politics of climate change. She needs to interview some people who are directly or peripherally involved in the topic. Do you guys know anyone she can interview? Okay. This is a whole long text chain. I was sort of like, why are parents doing this? My sister can sometimes do this also. Like, you know, I want you, you know, do this. And I'm like, but you have to teach your child to ask for this. Can we get parents or grandparents to encourage their children to start asking for these things themselves to learn that lesson? And when should that happen? Because I was sort of like 14. I think she should be asking me herself. What do you think?
1: It's going to depend on the kid. And their confidence level, but you need to get them there. So my book officially, you know, I talk about it's age sixteen and up. So the fourteen-year-old, and I have a fourteen-year-old, by the way, I give a little bit of wiggle room. But for example, with my fourteen-year-old, when he needs to see his extra his math teacher for extra help, I tell him, "You're going to send the email and make the appointment, and just CC me." So you're keeping tabs on them, but you're also letting them, you know, start taking the lead. So it's a gradual thing. Every kid is different. In this case, look. 14, as I said, a little bit young still, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And also these are people, you know, were the child to get on there directly, you don't know this child, presumably directly. And they may not be comfortable texting all of these grown-ups. Now, maybe instead of that, the parent could have said to the 14 year old, Who do you know that you could reach out to? What grown ups have you encountered in your life that you're interested in that might work for this project?
0: So I feel like it's okay to say, you know, she knows me. So, you know, whatever. I said or her mitz, or whatever. So I know, I know this kid, but in general, I find you're right. I'll give some leeway to the 14 year old, but even people like, This person I went to camp with 100 years ago, and she sends me this whole long email about her kid who's like a journalism major at Northwestern. And could I, you know, talk to her about, you know, potential internships at CBS and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, Right. And I was just violently mad about the whole thing because this woman did not attend my father's shiva, never wrote me a note after my father died. But here she is asking me for a favor. And I'm like, I'm not taking it out on the kid. So I say, here is my email address. Have her contact me. She never contacted me.
1: So basically, what's happening here is the kid is not ready to do what the the mom is asking. I mean, the kid should have written to you directly. And if the kid isn't ready, she isn't ready. So what I and that's a frustrating thing. And that happens all the time. The lack of follow up from the kid, the parents are, you know, paving the way doing that snowplow thing. That's a snowplow thing. And, you know, teeing it up for the kid and the kid is not there yet. So if I was her parent, I would have told her, look, I have this friend, Jill, I will give you her email when you email her, you know, show me the letter, show me, I, I do have kids, show me my kids, my older kids, they show me drafts of letters. Absolutely. They write the draft and I talk to them. I don't sit at the computer and press the keys. I talk to them about it. We put it in a Google doc so we can both mm-hmm. see it if they're not in the same place and I talk them through it and they have to always press the keys and they send it. And then I maybe, you know, in the case of your friend, maybe I would have sent you a little text. Not even friend. Not even fra. Right. Okay. (laughs) But I would have sent a little text. Hey, my daughter's going to send you a letter. Please look for it. You know, I'd appreciate if you can respond. But basically not send that text until that letter goes out, that email goes out, and she can be BCC'd on that email. But the kid is living their life and they are doing it for
0: themselves. And that's really important. We'll have part two of our conversation with Bobby Rebel tomorrow. If you've got a financial question, if you need help learning how to have frank conversations with your adult children about money, why don't you let us help you? Go to jillonmoney.com, click the Contact Us button, and we will be there to guide you. Okay, as always, we'd like to remind you to lift someone up curiosity, compassion, community. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.